0: This episode of the SDSU podcast is sponsored by Mars Energy Cream, the first ever topical energy delivery product. Think energy drink, but it's a lotion. It contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients, including caffeine, taurine, and B vitamins to provide an energizing boost. And unlike traditional energy drinks and gels, Mars Energy Cream is sugar-free, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or preservatives. If you want to try it out, Go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code ANDRE, spelled A-N-D-R-E, at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50ml tube. to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre and Paul Garrison. Welcome back listeners to the SDSU podcast. I'm your host Andre Hagverdian. We'll be joined by my co-host Paul Garrison shortly. This is our 100th episode. Almost can't believe we made it to 100. Started in January of 2022. With episode one, and we're at 100 in less than two years. So proud of what we've done. Enjoyed doing it along the way, obviously. We wanted to commemorate our 100th episode with an an important interview. So we had a list of people that we would have loved to have had. uh, But we are an SDSU podcast and having JD Wicker, the SDSU athletic director on the podcast to give us a run through of some of the more prevalent and important topics around San Diego State athletics and his philosophy on hiring coaches, leadership, things like that. Uh hope you guys will enjoy it. It may answer some of your questions that you've had, may not answer other questions that you have uh, related to JD Wicker. Obviously, we're on a time constraint uh, with someone like JD, and you know, we. We had a long list of questions definitely going into it and uh, we had to cut a lot of it out and some of it out just because of uh, running out of time and we wanted to to hit some of them. So, you know, hopefully you guys will enjoy this and you'll get something out of it. And uh, let's get to it. We want to welcome San Diego State's Athletic Director J.D. Wicker to the podcast for our special 100th episode. So we're Honored that uh, we have you uh, as our uh, special guest for this episode. How are you doing today? Uh, doing well. I appreciate the
1: honor of getting to be the hundredth, uh, the guest on the hundredth episode. Certainly appreciate um, all that y'all do to cover the Aztecs. Y'all are everywhere, literally,
0: Honolulu to San Diego and beyond. Yeah, and Honolulu is definitely an experience for sure. One of the for, to start off, just, g- just a general questions like. You know, we've noticed at least San Diego State under your command has has held a promote with, from within philosophy with regards to head coaches. You know, obviously the head coach and waiting role that Coach Dutcher had officially, I, I think that even predated you. But, you know, Stacey Newman, Sean Cole, they are recent examples of what they've told us that they've tried to kind of use that model as well. Could you explain your philosophy in hiring coaches and if hiring from within is important to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think if you... Look at your program overall and the culture of your program is where you want it to be. And you have successful, uh, you know, assistant coaches who have shown the capability of moving up to the, you know, into the chair and it, you know, knowing that they're going to, it's going to be a new experience for them. It might take them a minute. Um, but knowing that you know you think they can they can be successful, then it makes sense to hire from within. Because as Dutcher I think said when he got hired, you know a lot of coaches are coming in to change the culture. Well, I helped build the culture, um, so that's why it's made sense to you know. In some
0: programs we go outside, some programs we stay within. Specifically with Coach Cole because he's the most recent hire. You know, can you walk through that? search and that rationale, ultimately promoting him uh, as a head head coach?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've obviously had um, a couple years with Sean. He's done a great job with the pitching staff. And if you looked and, the, you know, the student athletes respected him, everyone in our building, you know, how he had handled himself, whether it was with, you know, the compliance staff, the academic staff, whomever had had good interactions. And then if you look at his resume, I mean, he's been with the Padres, he's been with USA Baseball, he won a national championship as the uh, pitching coach at Arizona, that he's one of those people that he knows your program, he knows the players within your program, he's someone that we think can be successful uh, if given that opportunity, so it made sense to promote him into the head
2: coaching role. We had the opportunity to um, have Sean Cole um, on the podcast now twice. And the last time we spoke with the entire coaching staff and, you know, aside from just their own chemistry, I think the thing that stood out was when they responded to the question about the potential of SDSU baseball. Um, As you look at the program and the potential for what the program could be, what do you see as the potential for the baseball program?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, you're in San Diego, California. It's a it's a great place to uh to come and play baseball. We obviously have great lineage. If you look at the people who have come through our program, the players that are now playing professionally, so you know it's one of those things. It's a great place to come play come play baseball. Um, there's a lot of talent in Southern California. There's a lot of talent uh, in the state. So we can tell people, hey, come to San Diego. You're going to get an opportunity to play the best teams out there because teams are always wanting to come south in the winter, you know, winter for them. Uh, and you're going to have a chance to develop into a player who can play at the next level if that's what you want to do. Plus, you're coming to a place where you're getting a great education. You're also what we do with our life skills program. You're going to leave San Diego State as a very well-rounded person. That's had a chance to be successful academically, athletically, uh, and through the life skills program. So they look at our baseball program and the successes that we've had, and the ability to send people, you know, into the pros, and see it as a positive as a place they would want to come and play.
2: Well, there's been a lot of uh, accomplishments by the athletic department in the last five years, and university as a whole. Obviously, the work continues. But have you been able to, you know, stop and really appreciate? All that has gone on from, you know, winning a ballot initiative, building Snapdragon on time, bringing in the MLS, basketball going to Final Four, softball to the Super Regionals. I mean, these are just some of the superlatives of the teams and the the momentum that has been building at San Diego State.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. This is your 100th episode. Today is actually the seven-year anniversary of my press conference, Um, Uh, seeing me as uh, athletic director. So, You know, it's it's one of those things. It's if you're standing still, you're falling behind. Um, Certainly, we have accomplished a ton. I don't know that we've quite accomplished everything that we, you know, we had on our list at this point. Some of it due to uh, where we're at, some of it due to decisions by other people, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's fun to to look back at all that we've been able to do and how we've impacted the community of San Diego positively, positively how we've impacted our fan base, our donors, our alumni, uh, and especially our student athletes. Um, but we also have very high expectations and you know, want to continue being successful and finding ways for our, you know, our students, our fans, our donors, our coaches, our staff to, you know, have the opportunity to have a reason to celebrate.
0: You know, one of the aspects we talked to several head coaches on the podcast and, you know, one of the things they've all brought up is the fact that the coaching staffs are all in the same building. Um, you know, you have the opportunity to build separate offices, obviously can decide to do that in the future. But why do you like this? Um,
1: you know, that I, I think us being all in one building is a huge benefit. Um, I've, so, and our athletics campus is basically on one side of campus. You've got VA house across the street and then, you know, Fowler. Peterson, you know, Tony Gwynn, softball, swim, all of that all in one area. So that is a massive benefit to us because all of our student athletes, our coaches, our staff are able to interact on a regular basis. Um, you know, the only place you're going to play is down at uh, Snapdragon, uh, but our coaches, especially for young coaches able to you know find a you know another coach in the building who's been doing it for a long time who whatever issue or challenge they might be having they can go sit in the office of a mike schrader who's been here you know a long time with swimming and had a lot of success mike friesen you know rocky used to you know visit with a lot of our other coaches i rocky probably knew more about what our teams were doing uh than i did um i was always amazed that you know he (laughs) always knew what everybody was doing so that's that's a huge benefit, and then our student athletes um, getting to regularly mix and mingle with the other student athletes of other teams. I don't I don't think it's conducive to a great experience if you have a football building where you know all the football players are only ever in the football building, and then basketballs in their own building, baseballs in their own building. I think we give a much better uh, experience to our student athletes uh, with the fact that we're you know all in one building, and as we look at you know, what our opportunities might be to expand in the future. Uh, I'd like to keep this footprint, Fowler, Peterson. You know, the police station is next door to Peterson. Uh, at some point, you know, the police, the police would love to have a new building. I'd love for the police to have a new building. And then we could have what was the old athletic building, all of the uh, administrative offices used to be. And what is the police building now? And then you go back where the fields are and all of that.
0: Do you expect that to stay the same or is that potential to build offices, you know, at the new Mission Valley West or things like that? Yeah, we,
1: You know, right now we're going to move some of our development folks down to the experience center, but development, they're more, you know, they need to be out seeing people or it's easier for donors to come in and see them. But for the most part, you know, I don't see us moving
0: uh, outside of the area where we're at now. In this day and age, across, you know, any sports level that you see a lot of coaches fired, replaced quickly, you know, you've chosen across multiple sports to have patience, which is a kind of a rare quality. Uh, could you talk about your approach to hiring the right people that you believe in, allowing them the ability to lead even if there's some hiccups in the road?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you certainly look at it's not just wins and losses. Obviously, wins and losses are very important, but what are they doing, you know, are they helping student athletes grow into uh you know success we like to say successful human beings how are we going to graduate successful human beings are they running their program correctly are we putting all of the resources that we can into them and then you know if you're gonna be quick with the trigger and maybe it's a little different now with the transfer portal but still if you're quick with the trigger then you're resetting your culture you're resetting everything about your program and you've got to give people time to Build their program. I mean, you know, everybody was so fired up about, you know, Dion in Colorado and what they did the first three games of the year. And now you're saying, oh, wait, okay, maybe it's going to take a little longer um, to get that done. Uh, And you have to look at that with all of your sports. If you're just constantly churning coaches out because you don't think they're successful, you're probably not giving them the opportunity to establish what it is they need to be
2: uh, to be successful. Hopefully I can phrase this question this question correctly. But one thing that has stood out in talking to multiple coaches who are part of um, the athletic program is they'll, they'll they'll say this little phrase that what works for us at San Diego State might not work everywhere else. That's kind of in, in our cookie cutter, cookie cutter world, like that's kind of even counterintuitive, right? You and um does that come from you? And and where do they have giving them like I guess the confidence to truly build something that's unique and special to SDSU? Yeah,
1: I think it goes back to Jim Sterb when he was athletic director here, and I worked for Jim for you know four years here, eight plus years at Washington State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and how you know what's what's our culture going to be? And again, you know, we're not the obviously the richest athletic department out there. So we're going to have to, you know, do things a little differently. But, you know, also how do we what are things that we can do to help uh, the experience of our coaches and our staff and our student athletes? What are the things that we can do to give them, you know, uh, as much in the resource world or what's the most important piece uh, that we possibly can? We really like to talk about we're a bit of a, you know, it's a family atmosphere here. Again, being in one building helps you do that. Uh, We try to, you know. We used to do it a, a little more before COVID and we're starting to get back into it where we try to get the entire, you know, building together as many, you know, coaches and staff together outside of a work um, experience. Uh, we do a crawfish boil every year to end the season uh, at my house. We used to do it at Jim's house where we get everybody together. You know, we obviously do a holiday party, but we try to do Happy hours or other events here and there where people you get to know, you get to build relationships with people uh, throughout the building. And again, it's just not the people in your area, but people across the board. You get to see the football coaches and the basketball coaches or the swim coaches or whoever that may be. So it's different like that. And then we really, you know, some people think it's, you know, whatever the term might be, but, you know, we're blue collar. We work hard. We expect to, to work hard to win championships. And again, we're not going to have all the resources, but, you know, we've had very good success across all of our sports playing up, if you will, into, you know, whether it's Pac-12 teams, Big 12, whatever, you know, we think we can win national championships. Men's basketball was, you know, was, you know, however, 40 minutes away from it. Softball was one game away from getting to the College World Series, and that's the key. Once you get there, our golf team uh, has played, you know, I think we finished fourth one year uh, or fifth. But uh, so we've got opportunities and, you know, we go out and we find people who want to work hard and they want to develop into something that can, you know, win championships and then turn into a professional career if they
2: have that opportunity. I think here we're a a couple of days after the football team's lost to Nevada. What are your thoughts about that performance and just the general state of the football program?
1: Yeah, you know, that's, that's, it was, we've had a lot of conversations, uh, met with Brady this morning, obviously, that was probably the, you know, that would be a low point uh, in my time at San Diego State, I don't think anybody else would disagree with that. Uh, so we, we've got to, you know, figure out what we're going to need to be successful. And, you know, is part of that's NIL, we've got to really, you know, we we've worked on some NIL, but we've got to really develop. You know, the NIL program Aztec Link is out there, supports football, you know, we're going to, you know, the fan base is going to have to understand that part of being successful in this day and age is NIL um, and the ability to, you know, have student athletes, you know, have that opportunity uh, when coming into San Diego coaching staff wise I mean this is for the a lot of it uh, there has been some change but you know we were 12 and two two years ago and we were explosive offensively at times and we were a top 10 defense. So the the capability is there and I you know we're young we've graduated you know defensive line wise. I think the D is you know not as good as it has been in the past obviously the past couple of years and I think a lot of that starts with the defensive line and you look at the guys that we put into the NFL, Uh, and some of that's development, you know, who you're recruiting and how long sometimes it takes us to develop a guy. We're not necessarily going to get a guy that's going to come out of high school and be able to start on your defensive line and, you know, be an immediate impact. So, uh, but we're, you know, we're working hard. We're looking at, you know, all aspects of the program. And, you know, I know the fan base is, uh, eager for us to, uh, You know, to get better, Uh, definitely got the emails that, you know, that tell me. So a lot of passionate fans out there, Um, some, you know, inappropriately uh, passionate. But, you know, we'll continue working hard to put the best product on the field that we can.
0: You know, piggybacking on the earlier question about patience and coaching, this is obviously Coach Hoke's fourth year since being coming back. You know what you talked about meeting with Coach Hoke and talking about the things to do. What is your confidence level at this juncture that Coach Hoke is the right man to lead the football program moving forward? I like to allow coaches to have the benefit of a, you know,
1: a full year, whatever the, you know, a, you know, paint the entire picture, Mm -hmm. um, really understand. So, you know, we've talked about how are we going to make this program better? And, you know, Brady is, you know, this program Is where it is because brady came in uh and started it in this direction so we'll continue to sit down and look at the you know what elements he thinks he needs assistance with and you know make the decisions on how best we can help support that and help support you know our student athletes to be the best that they can be and get the right kids in here that you know and again it's it's athletic success but it's also good human beings and kids that can be successful in the uh in the classroom as well.
0: Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, about, you know, transfer portal kind of impacting how coaches can come in and, and change the, the, the players. Obviously existing coaches can also do that. Is that going to be an emphasis this off season? Because maybe in the last year uh, it wasn't as successful as maybe it could have been.
1: You know, I think you have to really, you have to look at the balance of You know, one, what are you bringing in from a high school standpoint and where are the areas that you, you know, you really need to fill in or you need to address in the transfer portal and, you know, see what you can, um, you know, see who you can bring to campus. It's a little bit of a, you know, it's one thing to be able to sign a high school kid and, you know, you've got them. It's another thing waiting on the transfer portal and figuring out now you've also got the the spring transfer portal as well. But, you know, I think you've got to have the right mix of, you know, high school kids coming in and then transfer portal that can come in and have an immediate impact. You know, I think you look at what uh, what, you know, Dutch and men's basketball have been able to do on both sides. And this goes back. I mean, Steve Fisher was one of the original with transfers and getting bounce backs. Uh, I think Stacey uh, Newman has done it very well in softball as well. So there's. There's a formula there and, you know, it's a little different by sport, but you do have the the opportunity to really change your roster or at least fill holes that need immediate help through the transfer portal now.
0: Yeah, and the last thing on this topic is, you know, Coach Hoke has four years left on his contract. He got an extension after that historical 12-year season. Is that something that was done in, with the intention of boosting recruiting because you have a coach there for a longer period? You're talking about high school recruiting and having someone that's coming in knowing that their coaches are going to be in place for, you know, the next four years that they're going to be there.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, I think after the the 12-2 and two season, we were, you know, one coming out of COVID. Brady navigated COVID very well. Uh, you know, people have, you know, people understand how hard COVID was. Yeah. Trying to coach a football team in COVID um, was extremely challenging. And, you know, we worked very hard to get that done and, you know, appreciated uh, that relationship that we had and how we were able to do that. And then, you know, you have a 12-2 and two season that, you know, unfortunately the tight ends caught COVID. Uh, you know, basically we had to change our entire offensive game plan on Wednesday night before the game. So that impacted our ability there. But then, you know, the Frisco Bowl was – uh, you know, really good. Um, last year was obviously difficult, but coming off a 12 and two year and, you know, kind of knowing what the background was. Yeah. I mean, it made sense to, you know, extend Brady. So, you know, after this season, he'll have three years left and, you know, that's, it's not unusual in the world of college football, especially if you, you know, you've had success and I felt, you know, our COVID year was successful. That was a hard year. We played Um, you know, we played BYU and we played Colorado. I mean, we did the shift on, I think I stepped outside between dinner and dessert on Thanksgiving night to confirm the Colorado game. And then we got on an airplane the next day and played on that Saturday. Uh, and, and, you know, so it's been challenging, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's how we want to treat our coaches and we want to you know show people that we've got faith in our staff and reward them when they've done a good job.
2: A lot, of, a lot of symmetry with some of the stuff we've uh, we had Daniel Bellinger um, right after the season, and he talked about how he was one of those tight ends that couldn't play, but they yeah. changed the rules from 10 days to five days, like a month later, and he would have been okay to play under the other rules. And then we had um, Jordan Brookshire, who was the quarterback for that um, Colorado game that you're talking about. And we asked him, you know, when you look back, what are some of the highlights? And And he said, being able to answer that Colorado game because we didn't have the preparation and the pride he took in being able to do that. So symmetry with that, but you, you mentioned NIL earlier, you know, it's hard, I think for us who are kind of just focused on covering San Diego state to kind of get the bigger picture of, you know, where the program is in comparison to other schools. So just, you know, from your expertise, uh, how does San Diego state's NIL, NIL opportunities for their athletes compare to either comparable schools and I mean, you know,
1: NIL is kind of, it's two different things. It's true NIL and then it's the collective. So from a true NIL standpoint, you know, I think we have a full-time person uh, who's working on NIL every day. And, you know, we've partnered with various companies that create marketplaces. So educating our student athletes on what NIL is, how to build your brand, what are the things that you need to work on? Uh, You know, all programmatically uh, within the building, how we help a student athlete take advantage of it. I think, you know, we do as good as anybody in the country. Brendan, you know, is also out, you know, in the community and trying to educate people on, you know, small businesses or whatever. Hey, you can use our student athletes for your NIL. Here are the pathways to, you know, connect with student athletes through the, you know, the Open Doors Marketplace. Uh, or reaching out to them on their social media handles, those types of things. From a collective standpoint, you know we've got the Mesa uh, Foundation that we just partnered with um, and announced that earlier this week. They support men's and women's basketball. They're doing a really good job, so I think we're in a great spot uh, from a basketball standpoint and what Mesa's is doing. Aztec Link looks at football and you know some other sports uh and they're you know they're still kind of getting up and running and you know kind of figuring everything out but uh they are interested in you know really finding ways to get as many student athletes involved and it's not just purely in the collective standpoint but they're also i think talking to businesses and how are they, how can they connect businesses and you know student athletes together to help them find those because you know again You look at what Lamont's been able to do, you know, after he gets the winning shot against FAU, he did a photo photo shoot the next night, you know, after he had finished his, you know, Aztec duties and everything Final Four related, he did a photo shoot. And, you know, so that's what, you know, NIL is really about. So it'll be interesting to see how at the national level discussions in Congress and, you know, other elements move and, you know, if something's going to happen by, you know next spring at the latest related to NIL. I think the NCAA is going to pass some uh, rules as well related to NIL. So we'll have to see how all of that impacts the current nature uh, that NIL is.
2: Yeah. And a perfect segue into the next question. The the idea that NIL was never supposed to be pay to play, but it's the open secret that that's just kind of what it's turned into. Um, even, you know, Beyond people's best intentions, you know, sometimes things can get out of control. Um, you know, what do you think is the optimal, um, I guess, balance and and being able to to, like, I guess, what would you like to see NIL be?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think NIL should be, you know, student athletes being able to take advantage of their name, image, or likeness, and there should be a market rate component to it. I mean, again, you know, saying hey, you know, to get the best quarterback in the country, we're going to have to spend five hundred thousand dollars that's not nil that's pay for play but if you know you get you know caleb williams is out doing you know again all the ads he's doing now you know whether it's heisman house or like he's doing dr pepper might have a taco bell commercial i mean that's that's true nil he's out celebrity doing that um as opposed to you know whatever the collective may be that's paying him x amount to just you know, I don't know, show up and sign autographs and do some other stuff like that. So I'd love to see some type of market rate component to it. So you could truly, you know, measure, you know, if you're bringing a student athlete in, what are the things they're going to need to do? Or what are the opportunities that you have for them? And within that community, what type of money would that generate?
0: You know, you mentioned earlier about, you know, your inbox filling up. I'm sure some of those Topics also relate to, you know, Snapdragon Stadium and attendance. You know, it's a topic you've discussed, you know, a lot of times. And there's various topics that go into that. You know, one of those is ticket prices. You know, can you give us your current evaluation of where that is at the moment and where it could go?
1: Yeah, we're we're looking hard at ticket prices. Obviously, you know, the data that was utilized to build ticket prices was surveys of our fan base. So, again, we didn't just pick something out of the air and say, this is what we're going to do. So, now is, you know, we're kind of seeing what's happening. We will, uh, we're running different pro formas right now. I mean, the thing people need to realize is we have to pay for a $310 million stadium. So, you know, what it costs to run that stadium, what it costs to build is a lot more than what Qualcomm was. But your experience is also. 180 degrees different from what you had at Qualcomm. I mean, we've got, I'll argue with anybody that seat for seat, we have the best stadium in the country. You know, we're on par with anybody out there from an experiential standpoint. So, but we also recognize that, you know, we need to get people in the seats. So we're going to try to find uh, that number wherever the seat might be in the stadium that allows us to still do what we need to do. Uh, to pay not only for the stadium, but also to you know invest in our student athletes and our athletic department. That's a big reason why we built the stadium is so we could get better uh, than what we were doing. So um, we'll we'll do that. Uh, they're working on it right now. Our ticket sales folks, legends, who we've had on board, and then our development folks are really looking at that, and they'll come with a recommendation uh, sometime in the next month or so ahead of renewals and new season ticket sales for next year
0: you know one of the things that you guys did last year was reduce prices for the last couple of home games is that something that was in consideration this year
1: we took a lot of heat for that actually a lot mm-hmm. of season ticket holders were upset we did it uh, I think we'll look for some unique and different ways to get people into the stadium uh whether you're a season ticket holder and the opportunity potentially purchase, you know, more tickets at a discount or something like that, or, you know, have some flash sales or this, that, and the other, but we're going to look, but we, you know, people were not happy with how we handled that last year. So we've learned from that and we're going to try something different.
2: The one that uh, we also hear about um, is style of play. Um, that's something that, that you know, people talk about with the offense and things like that. I mean, how, how I guess, hands-on are you in kind of i don't know dictating conversations about you know how not just football but any any team like how they should approach trying to to win or how that should look and attracting fans etc
1: yeah you know obviously you know it's something we talk about but i'm the athletic director i am also not a micromanager i don't believe in that i believe in hiring good people and allowing them to do their job now you know going back to when we you know interviewed for the when Rocky left, it was, you know, we heard then that, you know, we wanted to, you know, see a bit more of an, ex, you know, bit more throwing the ball, a bit more explosive offense. And so we've talked about how can we, you know, do that. Obviously, at it, it times, we saw it during the 2012 season, for sure. Um, you know, some of the explosive offense, you go back to the Frisco ball, that was a lot of fun. Um, but it, it certainly hasn't, you know, risen to the level that, you know, we probably want it. Obviously, Ryan new offensive coordinator this year, let it getting giving him the opportunity to uh install his offense and run it. Um, you know, so sometimes it, it takes a minute, you know, for that to happen. But for the most part, I'm not getting involved with X's and O's. That's not my specialty. But, you know, as we hear things from coaches, I mean we hear things from the general public or, you know, how we want to, you know, how we want to handle things. I'll have the discussion with the coach, but the coach, it's up to the coach to do it. I mean, one of my favorite stories is year one and year two of Brian Dutcher, Uh, you know, timeouts was something that, you know, people in the general public were like, Dutcher needs to call more timeouts. He needs to stop runs and do things like that. And I think Dutch will, you know, he'll tell you that in, you know, as time has marched on, he's got a different, you know, look at it, but sometimes you have to experience it. So, I mean, you know, that's the other thing. I, I did get email after year two that I probably made the wrong decision, you know, elevating Dutcher into the uh, head coaching job, and I mean, wow. played in the national title game. So I, I feel like we did a pretty good job with that. Yep. So you're not
2: getting so those aren't the emails. You're not getting any more of those emails.
1: <laughs> not related <laughs> to Dutcher and
2: timeouts. <laughs> um, I don't know if you're able to give us a number, but I mean, you mentioned paying down the debt. I mean, has just the the revenue that Snapdragon has d- generated has it been you know what you know the hope and the projections were um, as as it was being built.
1: Yeah, we built our pro forma on six and a half football games a year and two and a half million dollars in sponsorship revenue. So we have far exceeded. Wow. That standpoint, you know, our obviously our season ticket sales were down this year, so that part of the pro forma is not operating as well. Unfortunately, we've got the other part of the pro forma that's you know operating very well uh is as we look at that so the stadium's you know doing fantastic it's I, I will admit this it's been more successful than I thought it would especially in year mm. one with 60 61 full venue events obviously you know some of those were you know some of our soccer matches a high school football playoff high school playoff game football where you're not you know you're not filling the lower bowl uh but then you look at you know the number of concerts that we've had that did you know Three of them completely sold out. Uh, The other three pretty much sold the tickets that they wanted to sell to feel like they were successful. Uh, Dirk shows were really good. They weren't quite as successful as we'd hoped because it rained. Um, Imagine that in San Diego. We're we're very pleased with the lineup. And then with MLS coming on board in 2025, uh, that's going to be huge for us.
0: You know, our last topic before we let you get out of here is obviously conference realignment. Um, we know what happened on August 4th, that Friday morning. We've heard you talk about it. We've seen other people talk about how, you know, that maybe the expectation was that there'd be a granted in right signed by those nine members and expansion. Maybe San Diego State was one of them. You know, how close were the Aztecs to a new conference? Was it for 2024? And, you know, what was that morning like for, for you and your staff? Um, that was, that will go
1: down as one of the worst days of my life from a business standpoint um you know we worked really hard i mean we spent seven years you know and jim stirk before that um you know doing the things that we needed to do to have that opportunity to get into the uh to the pac 12 and you know basically they were you know gonna sign the vote and sign on the grant of rights and then we were the next topic on the agenda to add san diego state to the league so that was a it was a more than a punch to the gut, and it, you know, I'll be honest, and I've told my staff this. It it took me a, a month or two to, you know, kind of, you know, mm-hmm. get back into a, a better state of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I've talked to ads in the league that, you know, they fully expected when they went to bed Thursday night that the grant of rights was getting signed Friday morning. You know, every every indication that they had was that that was going to happen. So um that's you know that's been a hard one you know you work really hard to get something and you're right there and this is something san diego state fans have always wanted and you know usc and ucla seem to always be there to be a block and now we've got this but you know what now we've got to go back to work and we've got to keep doing what we've been doing and you know opportunities will come you know we're in southern california we're in a great place uh, we've invested in facilities. People know that, you know, we're interested in playing uh, you know, at the top level of whatever college athletics is going to be. We played in the national title game last year with with men's basketball. Uh, football's been very successful. We've had a great run. I mean, that's you know, part of the reason my email inbox is filling up right now is because we've been to bowl game. You know, we've been bowl eligible 13 straight years and take a quirk in how we decided to handle bowl assignments during COVID, right? That that kind of kept us out of a bowl there. So we just got to keep doing what we've been doing and keep being successful and keep investing in our program and the academic side of the institution has to continue to grow. I mean that's been great. What they've been, you know, what Adela uh and the rest of the crew across campus have been able to do and you know we jumped up in the u.s news and world report rankings and that's important to presidents i realize you know from an athletic standpoint people aren't really paying attention to it but presidents make these decisions and they want to you know associate with like institutions
0: you know in one of your interviews with the athletic i think it was earlier this year you mentioned the possibility of the big 12 as well um are you able to tell us how far if any conversations are had between? SDSU in the Big Twelve, if there was any kind of um, momentum there, yeah, I had a lot of
1: conversations with you know folks in the Big Twelve, whether it was athletic directors or um, you know the commissioner. I, at the end of the day, they were interested in the four corner schools in the Pac-12 first and foremost. Could we have taken a massive discount deal to get in there? Maybe, but I don't know how successful we could have been over the next seven or eight years if we were operating at such a uh, budget deficit on a day in and day out basis, but it never really advanced that far in the conversation. I think at the end of the day, they would have waited to see what the PAC 12 was gonna do, which is what, you know, the conversations I had with them is we needed, you know, we needed to compare apples to apples, what was going on. And we wanted to see what the big 12 and what the PAC 12, you know, what those packages would look like and figure out what fit best for uh, San Diego State. We just never anticipated the uh, the Pac-12 would, you know, not exist after this year. I don't know that. I'm not sure how many people, you know, saw that, had that on their
2: bingo guard. Right. So, I mean, as you kind of hold up the, your, your crystal ball, I mean, where does, you know, the Aztecs and their conference over the next, you know, five years or so, you know, where where, where do you see that trending? I, you know, right now we're obviously we're, you know, we're in the Mountain
1: West and we're happy to be in the Mountain West at this point. You know, got a, you know, a TV deal and schedule and people to play. And I think it's, it'll be interesting to see how the Oregon State, Washington State, uh, Pac 12 piece compete continues to play out. You know, but I for us playing in the conference, uh, from a football standpoint, that is the you know, the best next conference after you kind of get out of the A4. And depending on the conference that, you know, that how that gets put together is at Oregon State and Washington State coming into the Mountain West, you know, what all those different elements look like, um, you know, we can certainly be right there as the fourth or fifth conference, you know, the big 12, you know, they've had some success, but Texas and Oklahoma leaving, you know, what are they going to look like from a, um you know, from a competitive standpoint versus the other
2: three going forward in football.
1: Obviously, yeah. in basketball, they're
2: pretty good. <laughs> and a final question, and I just thank you for all the insightful answers. I think, you know, having you as the guest on our 100th episode couldn't have gone any better. We just mentioned kind of the recent challenges um, that are facing SDSU. But, you know, when you kind of take a little bit of a step back, where where would you look at the current footing of San Diego State and the program as a whole compared to where it was in 2016 when Snapdragon wasn't completely, wasn't an idea and all of the things, the momentum that we talked about at the beginning, Um, you know, going forward and in the footing that San Diego State is on now compared to, you know, when you were hired, um, you know, could you just address that?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we were... We were making strides at that point. You know, you go back to, what was it, the 11-12 year, and I can't remember how many championships we had, had some absurd number of championships, 10 or 11, something like that. So um, we've been really good for a long time. I think the biggest thing is getting the stadium built, really, you know, knowing that we have the appropriate place to play football, which from a revenue standpoint is the biggest driver of revenue for the athletic department. Um, having that long-term question answered and then, you know, we've got Viejas for basketball, you know, there's some fan experience outside of the seating bowl that we'd love to work on and get a little better from that. Mm -hmm. But your, you know, your two major revenue drivers have a facility that will serve them, you know, greatly and serve our fans, you know, very well. Yeah, uh, you know, I think that's probably you know the two biggest things, and then you know from there you just keep creating great experiences for our student athletes and finding the different um, you know different ways that we can continue to support them so that you know obviously anybody in those top four conferences has a whole lot more money than we do, so they're going to be able to layer on top of layer upon layer of things that they're going to be able to you know provide student athletes, but if we can also provide it, it's just not at the grandiose level, maybe the others can, you're going to have people that it's a great experience at San Diego State. You've got student athletes that they want to play. So I think there's plenty of talent to go around. And we just have to find the ways that, you know, you know, help them have the best experience possible. So I think from 2016 to now, um, you know, the continued success, the ability to build the stadium uh, and show people that we're willing to invest in our athletic programs that the institutions willing to invest uh is going to go very far for us.
0: JD, thank you so much. Uh we definitely appreciate you taking the time. I know it's a busy time for you as always and we're glad to have you as our 100th uh episode special guest and uh hopefully we'll maybe we'll uh 200th episode will be uh <laughs> the next milestone. Yeah. I,
1: well, again, I appreciate, again, the the time and effort that y'all put into covering the Aztecs. Um, really appreciate it. Y'all do a fantastic job and honored to have been the hundredth episode on my seventh anniversary here at San Diego State. And, you know, looking forward to another great seven years and a uh, hundred podcasts for you guys and go Aztecs.
0: Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Thanks, guys. episode of the sdsu podcast is sponsored by mars energy cream the first ever topical energy delivery product think energy drink but it's a lotion it contains a proprietary blend of natural ingredients including caffeine taurine and b vitamins to provide an energizing boost and unlike traditional energy drinks and gels mars energy cream is sugar-free contains no artificial flavors colors or preservatives if you want to try it out Go to MarsEnergyDrinkCream.com and use the code Andre, spelled A N D R E at checkout to receive 15% off a purchase of a 50 milliliter tube. All right, Paul, hundredth episode special guest JD Wicker. You know, I we were kind of debating a few weeks ago that this hundredth episode was coming up, and you know, so we had some names. I had some names I threw out yeah. there. Maybe they were a little ambitious with some (laughs) professional guys, got denied on one of them. But, you know, we're an SDSU athletics podcast, so it's really hard to argue against having the athletic director of the program as a special guest, considering so much is going on with conference realignment with the football team and things like that. I thought it was really good, and I'm grateful for him to take, you know, 40 minutes out of his day, a busy day to talk to us. What would you think?
2: Well, I mean, before getting into that, Hundred episodes, bro.
0: This
2: yeah. this is I mean, you know, as as um I, we've talked about this a lot, but I'll say it again. This is Andre's brainchild. I and mean, he is the producer, and he is that's why I'm the co-host. Um, so so I mean, like, I don't know, percentage-wise, I bring my I bring the good looks to the to the podcast mm-hmm. and and basically everything else Andre does. So I mean you, you know, all that goes into it, you know, it is just an incredible thing. Uh we'll will get done recording this you will continue working on it while while we get off and i'll have another couple of minutes and then get to enjoy it like everyone else does so props to you man i mean i you know you really wanted to to get something like this off and running and and to you know get uh, do the 100 episodes man i think is is just a testament to it and and i don't think and i would just want to also say before i let you comment on that is you lied to me
0: Mm -hmm. one a week bro that's what Did you that, That's what I was gonna say. That's exactly you roped me I in. <laughs> I was gonna say I got you with one one a month, and we uh, ended one up a month. That's what It was not even one a week; one a month. I was like, "Oh, I have time for one a month." Yeah, no problem. Yeah, maybe two. You know, we're probably not going to get anybody that wants to come on this podcast. It gets busy.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly
0: what I was gonna say. You
2: know, it was the SDSU football podcast at that point, but man, I'm so happy with with uh, the rebrand and just. The way that my understanding of San Diego State athletics has grown by being able to, to, you know, really pick the brains of of all of the leaders, you know, inside of the programs, man, has been great. But initial thoughts um, about specifically about uh, JD Wicker and the interview that he gave. For me, the thing I wanted to know the most was the idea that San Diego State has strengths it has weaknesses and that they have to craft a student experience and they have to attempt to win in a unique way that's built specifically for San Diego State just like as a like my own personal philosophy i absolutely think that's the way we should all live rather than just you know repeating what we see on instagram and tiktok and so like i've been fascinated by how often that idea has come up And to hear him talk about that, it was like, it was Jim Sterk, who was the person who really absolutely, it is absolutely a thing of strength and courage to not just do what every other athletic director does. Because if it goes south and things don't go well, they're going to say, well, what did you do? Did you do these things that they're doing in the SEC? Did you do these things that they're doing in the Pac-12? Did you do these things that they're doing at Boise State? Did you do these? You know what I mean? And so yeah. to have the courage to to really say, we're going to be the creators of what it is. I just find that so fascinating. And and um, that was, you know, that was the question that, that most had my attention coming in.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think considering as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon, we're three days after the Nevada game. We all know what happened there. I think the biggest and, you know, I didn't expect Brady Hope to be fired this week because... Yes. Of everything that JD Wicker has said in the past. And I think he said a couple weeks ago to Kirk Kenny about evaluating at the end of the season. But I know there's probably a lot of fans out there that were hoping and expecting it to happen this week. I think this might give them their confirmation that it's not happening this week. Uh doesn't that doesn't mean it's gonna make them happy, but at least it gives that confirmation that there's, you know, he sat down with Brady today. They're moving forward. Obviously they've got practice this week and the coaches are going recruiting this weekend, but um, I think that you know we'll we'll leave our our discussion about the Nevada game and the state of the program to I think our grades episode will come later later this week hopefully but I think that's that was the big the biggest question at hand how you address that topic because it's front and center on the minds of a lot of people uh, and then the conference realignment pieces I think talking you know I really wanted to get more info about that Big Twelve what conversations were had and I think he gave some insight there that maybe wasn't out there before and uh maybe the possibility of taking a, a discounted share from the big 12 is kind of i think news potential news so those uh, those were obviously the top two marquee items but i think just talk listening to him talk about his philosophy and all that i think is is good too and that's we scheduled as as we talked about this 100th episode when we kind of talked about who we're going to get we we set this up 2 3 weeks ago this is we set this up before we went to hawaii and coming back from the hawaii game things maybe looked like had turned the corner and you know it could have gotten a win against nevada a perfect october heading into some easy easy maybe easy games but you know then suddenly after saturday you know we come to today and you know i think those questions got a little bit louder from the outside but i think he handled them pretty well I don't know if you heard, but Brady Hoke um, went on to 760 on Monday
2: morning, as he does every week. Uh, You know, there was a question that was asked to him about the noise surrounding, you know, him getting fired and things of that nature. And I thought his answer was just fantastic. He said essentially that internally we have as much pride in wanting to do a good job more so than anything we'd ever feel basically outside. So it's like all the pressure can come all up, the pressure can come people who want to win. And I thought that that same sort of tone happened from um, JD, where he said, look, this was a low point in my tenure. Losing to Nevada was a low point. I feel that just as much as everybody else. And I thought like acknowledging that and, and being able to, I think it showed that same pride that it was as much of a, um. As much of a letdown, and it was as disappointing to to him as it was to everybody else, because more so than any pressure that he's going to get from emails or whatever is happening, he wants to win for his own sake. Um, and so I thought that was a, a, a symmetry between how Coach Hoke answered it, because he said essentially the same thing. The fans aren't influencing me. You want to win. I have enough pride in what I do already. I want to win. And then I thought there was also symmetry and just you can just see the competitive nature um, because he's an athletic director. You know, I remember talking with um, Coach Dutcher in the um, in the locker room after they had lost to UConn. And, you know, you wanted to get him to kind of say. That was cool, right? (laughs) Like San Diego State got to a national championship and he's like his response was, I'm so competitive that now I want to go win one. And he was already turning the page and starting to think about, like, now I want to win. And, you know, there's been multiple times where I have uh, talked with JD and tried to get him to kind of just reflect on accomplishments and the way that he always pivots. And he's like, yeah, it's been great. We've done a lot of great things. But if you stand still, you're falling behind. And now we got to do other things that's going to make our fan base really, really proud. I just thought it was that great, like, competitive answer um, that, you know, if you're an Aztec fan, you you want to hear, right? You don't want to hear that anyone's resting on their laurels or anything of that nature. At the same time, un, unsolicited advice, man. Sometimes you got to stop and smell the roses because uh, as the native San Diegan who has seen, uh, I mean, I, I live in a part of town where there's this, um, they're trying to put a convention center on the opposite end of Tula Vista. And uh, my parents have been local forever. They've been trying to do this for 50 years to build this thing. And it's finally scheduled to open in the summer of 2025. So for them to do what they did at Snapdragon is nothing short of like one of the, the greatest like building feats I've ever witnessed as a native, you know, San Diegan. And I think you got to stop and appreciate that because it, it, it really was remarkable.
0: I did hear what Coach Hoke said to that answer from Rich. I think how you explained it might have been what coach Hoke meant to say. I don't know if he said it eloquently enough for other people to understand that. I think I saw some people's reactions as a more as a the answer was condescending saying that those the fans don't matter and I I don't um and maybe the first time I heard it I I kind of took it that way too, but I you know after looking listening at it what you said makes sense. I don't know, but I think some people looked at it as a a screw the fans kind of comment. I don't I didn't take it that way after I kind of listened to it, but yeah, I mean, you hear most people when they're asked that question talk about, you know, our fans are passionate, they care. Uh but we care too and we're doing everything we can to change this thing and hopefully they'll stick with us. Things like that. And I think when that didn't come out, I think everybody kind of took it in a different way and 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 I don't I don't I don't think is 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 really really a big deal, but at the end of the day he's still the head coach there's four games left we'll see how those four games go we'll see you know the decisions that are made or not made you know in late november early december
2: yeah 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 and um,
0: i i don't know I, I don't know that i necessarily said it
2: eloquently but um I, that you know i i think with the current state and, and JD talked about this that in some of the emails they crossed the line you know, it it seems like there's still this idea out there that if any sports team is bad, then you can just take the gloves off and be as belligerent as you want, and that's just like okay. And so I think that there's a lot of people. It didn't. It wouldn't matter how the response was to the to that answer. You know, but uh, I I think that like uh, I'll say it another way. If the fans influence a head coach and athletic director. They're not great at what they do because they, it, you know, uh, in just the small little public thing that you and I do, we face so much criticism and so much, whatever, that if, if like we're steered into how we're going to cover thing and the voice that we're going to take, and we're going to do that, we would just be bouncing all over the place. And so I had to feel like if what's tr- transpired actually on the field. With those kids that are inside that locker room, if that's not enough fire to m- motivate like the best workout of Brady Hoke, and he somehow needs fans telling him that he should be fired to like get going, that would actually be a fireable offense. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, that's the answer that he should give. He should say, Look, like, I want this more than anybody. And I'm working regardless of what anybody says about this, because I have pride in who I am. And so do all of us inside of here. And I think that's exactly what he said. And, you know, if if people are offended because they aren't important enough
0: in the head coach's opinion,
2: it's a different it's a different it's a different conversation.
0: No, but I'll say this one last thing. It's not about what the outside says whether it's on a tweet or in a in an email, it's what they do with their money, money talks. And if those are the people that are buying season tickets and buying merchandise that the university is relying on to help pay for that stadium, and if they're not doing any of those things or that's where they're, they influence what the university does, potentially, obviously, J.D.'s not going to say that. I'm going to make a decision on my head coach based on season tickets or this and that but i think that money talks and i think that factors into it i liked also how jd said i don't talk x's and o's with with the people that i coach
2: um so i could maybe see um jd wicker or somebody who is one of you know jd wicker's lieutenants having their ear to the ground on some of that stuff um but not the head football coach uh if if, uh you know if the head football coach you know I, i i still I still found it ironic. He um JD talked about uh Coach Prime and I still found it super ironic that when Oregon played Colorado, that the head coach of Oregon talked about how they're doing it for views, we're doing it for real life, and he decided to leave that message to um when the cameras were on, his locker room. I mean, you know what I mean? He obviously was doing it for views yeah, and not doing it for the exact thing that he was accusing Colorado yeah, of doing. It work. worked. Yeah, yeah. It, well, I don't know if it worked, but uh, I think that uh, you and I could have coached Oregon in, in that game, and they would have won. Talent-wise, I think is just so such a big gap at home and all that stuff. But my point being is just, I think it's a bad look when um, winning is not your like priority. And then don't get me wrong, all those other stuff I think can be secondary. I think you can care about all of that stuff in the secondary. Um, but at this moment for San Diego State, there is no secondary. Um, they have to figure out how to get through this bye week and start winning football games, because as J.D. said, you know, it's an evaluative idea of the whole um, year. I enjoyed his um, description of uh, Sean Cole and, you know, it definitely how he described Sean was what we have, uh, what we experienced in our conversations with him.
0: And, you know, just
2: overall, I, I thought I, I just thought it was a, it was a great hundred episode.
0: Yeah, I definitely uh, enjoyed having him on and and hearing him and, and kind of longer. You know, we see JD at you know football games, at basketball practices, and and things around the nature. But in having uh, a full on conversation is the first time I've had, you know, kind of a sit down conversation. Even though it was over Zoom in a long form, so that was really nice. And definitely would want to do it again. No question. All right, guys. As always, we appreciate it. We hit a hundred and. We'll see where we go from here. Um, Obviously, we're planning on 101 coming up hopefully later this week and and a few others as the basketball season gets going. We're hoping to do some basketball episodes as well, whether we have guests or we talk about kind of the games and and things like that. So stay tuned for those. As always, we appreciate you guys listening, liking, sharing, following, subscribing, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. You are listening to the SDSU podcast presented by the East Village Times with your hosts Andre Hagverdian and Paul Garrison.